This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well. It's Wednesday the 21st of December. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Coming up, we hear about a homeless charity's emergency appeal over funding cuts and the owner of one of Medway's oldest pubs explains why it's closing. But first, it's been revealed someone walked into an accident and emergency department in Kent every 23 seconds in November. The number of people waiting more than 12 hours to be admitted to a ward has also risen. In the three months from September, it was more than 4,000 patients compared to just over 500 during the same period last year. Well, to talk more about this story, I'm joined by our reporter, Reese Griffiths, who wrote it. So, Reese, NHS staff are clearly under a lot of pressure at the moment. Which hospitals in the county are facing the biggest demands? So, despite the fact that, obviously, all hospitals in the county are under pressure at the moment, Um, The winter always brings uh, increased challenges for the NHS. In terms of the longest waits that people are having between, uh, you know, being diagnosed in A&E and then being admitted onto a ward into a hospital bed, uh, the biggest pressures really are being seen here in East Kent uh, with the East Kent Hospitals Trust, which operates A&E departments at the William Harvey Hospital in Ashford and at the QEQM in Margate. Here we're seeing, you know, upwards of a thousand people in a month uh, having to wait 12 hours or longer for admission in a so-called corridor wait. And that can mean people are, yes, on trolleys in corridors, uh, sitting upright in chairs, waiting for an awful long time before a bed space becomes available and they can then be admitted onto the wards. And you've been speaking to some patients and families about their experiences. What have they told you? Well, yes, I've been speaking to a number of people who have uh, had involvement with the A&E services in Kent in the last weeks and months. And to be honest, their stories have been really quite shocking. Um, I heard from the family of one man, a 61-year-old, who was suffering with a number of uh, issues, including a kidney infection uh, and pneumonia, who spent six days and six nights in an upright chair at William Harvey Hospital before he was able to be admitted onto a ward and and a bed was available for him. Now, I must say, it's been Across the board, people have expressed real shock and dismay at the length of time that it's taking them to uh, to be seen in A&E and then to be processed through the system and into, into the hospital itself. What has shone through, though, in all the conversations I've had is the utmost praise for the job that the staff in our NHS are, are doing. People have said particularly that once they are admitted onto a ward, the, the treatment they've received has been excellent. But these bottlenecks in the system really are starting to build up. And in A&E itself, it looks like a, a situation where the system is, is really straining and if not coming close to collapse. And all this coincides with Kent's ambulance service, CCAM, also warning about their struggles with meeting demand, doesn't it? Yes, so CCAM this week uh, declared a critical incident. Now, that means that, to their mind, they are, are really struggling to uh, meet patient demand through services such as 999 for emergencies and 111 for uh, for non-emergency uh, medical issues. I think it reflects the fact that the system as a whole is really really struggling this winter. It, it 
from the conversations I've had with patients often, you know, an ailment, they might initially start to try and seek an appointment with their GP and then uh, failing that, they might wait on hold to NHS 111 for a number of hours. Um, people have tried to uh, walk into local clinics only to be told that it's unfortunately appointment only. And this is driving people then to uh, head to A&E in the hope that they will be seen there. For the ambulance service, this is, uh, yeah, it's, I think they're very much looking for people to uh, only particularly dial 999 if there is a genuine life-threatening emergency. Um, and, and declaring this critical incident just simply reflects that the, the situation is pretty dire right across the uh, the healthcare system at this moment. So what's NHS Kent and Medway said about all this? Well, the NHS hasn't got into any uh, great detail when we asked them to comment on the situation in A&E departments across the county. The NHS uh, spokespeople are saying that they, they are ready to, to meet the winter demand uh, and will be doing all they can to ensure that people receive the care that they require. I think the NHS is also keen that people do look for the appropriate level of care for, for their situation. So, as I mentioned earlier, that might involve uh, a visit to your local pharmacist or you know attempting to see or speak to your GP and only looking to seek uh, care in A&E departments, for example, in the most uh, serious of situations. The simple fact is, uh, as we've seen with the industrial action being taken by ambulance drivers and nurses nationally, people who are working in the system are really raising the alarm, not just on on pay, which is obviously a big issue for those uh, uh, dealing with the cost of living crisis, but also on the uh, the staffing levels and the conditions in the health service, which... Um, I'm afraid this winter things do look pretty tough. Well, as Rhys just mentioned there, this all comes as the government's urging us not to take unnecessary risks today as thousands of ambulance staff go out on strike. Paramedics and call handlers here in Kent are among those walking out in a dispute over pay and working conditions. The army's been drafted in to help out as NHS leaders warn they cannot guarantee the safety of patients. Reporter Jamie Levy from our sister station KMTV spoke to Murray Robinson from the GMB union who was out on the picket line at Medway Ambulance Station. So we're striking today because there's a crisis in the NHS. We're striking for pay uh, because there's been a real terms pay cut uh, over the last 10 years. Uh, cost of inflation, uh, cost of living crisis. We know that NHS staff are using food banks in order to survive. We're also striking because of patient safety. Patients are suffering extended delays for ambulances and this has been going on for a long time now and it's not acceptable. There's a crisis in the NHS, there's a crisis at hospitals, ambulance crews are waiting for hours to hand over at hospitals, patients are, are suffering because of this. So you mentioned about patient safety, um, is it right that ambulance uh, workers strike when you know, there could be an emergency, there could be, now there is a shortage of, of ambulances, is, is, that, is, that, is that okay? So there's ambulance cover today, so there is colleagues responding on ambulances, uh, patients will, uh, there's still a life and limb cover, uh, there's been negotiations with our trust and all the trusts nationally to provide uh, that level of service. Ideally, we'd just like to sit down with Steve Barclay, the Health Secretary, um, to discuss our pay and to start negotiations. Uh, and it seems like strike is the only way uh, to get our voice heard. It's not something taken lightly uh, by m myself or my colleagues. Uh, we're in this job for a reason. We want to provide a world-class service to our patients, but we cannot do that. And there's no other way. We've exhausted all other options. That strike uh, is not taken lightly, and it's what we have to do. 
And I mean, right now we are at the country's in the cost of living crisis and bills going up, prices going up. Where is the sort of money going to come from? Um, for, the, for I mean, there's a lot of unions right now asking for, for pay increases. Where is the money going to come from for that? So, so that would be for the for the government to decide. Uh, I'm here to support our members in that they do deserve uh, more pay. Uh, I think that there's there's ways and means to find budgets for things. Uh, they found uh, budgets for other things in the past, um, and and it's now time for NHS staff. NHS staff provided an outstanding service during the COVID pandemic. Um, people stood on their doorsteps and clapped for us, but those claps don't pay our bills. Well, the health secretary is accusing striking ambulance unions of making what he calls a conscious choice to inflict harm on patients. Steve Barclay says the industrial action is deeply regrettable. The trade unions have refused to give national exemptions in terms of all life-threatening and emergency calls. They've said that they will prioritise those, but it'd be down to local agreements with trusts. The system will be under significant pressure and therefore we're saying to the public to exercise their common sense. The advice today is to only call 999 in a life-threatening situation, otherwise use the 111 service. Kent Online reports. Our other top stories now and investigations are underway following the death of a man in Sittingbourne. The victim was found with stab wounds at a property off College Road in the early hours of this morning. The man in his 40s was pronounced dead at the scene. Our reporter Alex Langridge was in Medway Close just nearby. There has been a lot of police coming in and out of the house. Um, there was also two forensic vans parked out front and people in hazmat suits going in and out of the property at around 11 o'clock. At the moment, the police officers have called it off the front of the property um, and are still currently seated sit outside um, as they continue their investigations. Neighbours reported seeing a helicopter circle in the area all night. Police, ambulances and a fire engine in the close in the early hours of this morning. Many of them actually didn't hear anything but were alerted to the incident when police came knocking on their doors. Um, one said that they've known the place their entire life and this is not the sort of thing that would happen in the area and was quite shocked to see and hear the activity this morning. Police are asking for anyone with information to come forward. A takeaway worker who repeatedly stabbed a man after inviting him into his dim church home has been jailed for 28 years. A court heard Abdul Malik's victim suffered 12 knife wounds during the attack in the high street last January. The 29-year-old was previously convicted of attempted murder by a jury. A judge has described his actions as frenzied. Tributes are being paid to a Kent security guard who died in a crush at the O2 Academy in Brixton. Gabby Hutchinson from Gravesend was working at an event last Thursday when a big crowd forced their way in. The 23-year-old passed away in hospital on Monday and has been described as selfless and loving by friends and family. Police are continuing to investigate. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The future of one of Medway's oldest pubs is uncertain after the landlord announced he was calling time on New Year's Eve. John Bryce has run the King George V in Brompton for the past 20 years. He's been telling Nicola why he's decided to shut. The main reason is that after the recovery of COVID, uh, drinking wasn't the same for people. Visiting pubs has not had the life it had before COVID. People have got used to going uh, to the supermarket and buying very cheap booze, which is a totally different issue because that's something also that's helped to kill pubs in the last 10 years or so. 
and they've got used to being at home, so they don't come out as often. And I think that's one of the major reasons. We've got rising fuel costs, which everyone has got, and I understand that, but it puts an extra burden on businesses. And for example, my last month's fuel bill was 1,200 pounds. Well, that's utterly ludicrous for a business this size. And we've got excessive business rates, but that's something the industry has been banging on for years about, and uh, nothing seems to be done about it. And uh, we've also had huge hikes in beer prices. Now, the last two prices that went up to us, we didn't pass on to the customers. The new ones that are coming into the into practice in the new year will mean that we will need to put at least a pound on a pint when you add VAT. So we're being taxed to the hilt and uh, basically no help from the government. We had wonderful help throughout the COVID, but no help since. And the government recently announcing that they would freeze beer duty is like me giving you a penny to take home and put in your piggy bank, because that's how useful it is to us. How's it making you feel, John? You've been in this trade for a while, haven't you? Yes, I have. It's about 25 years and I feel sad because I think the pub is the heart of the community. And I think it's vital that uh, people meet each other. It's, a, it's probably the only place that villagers, in my case, because I live in a village, get together. And to lose a pub, I think it is a major tragedy. And sadly, I think that uh, I'm just one of many. I think that in the new year, you'll find that uh, lots will be following my sad example and closing the doors for the last time. So yes, I feel very sad. I'm very upset, but, um, you know, you can't sit on the beach on a big chair when the tide's coming and put your hands up and hope that the trauma will stop. It doesn't work like that. You drown. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly not the only pub that we've heard of. I mean, I think one high street, his, his final pub was was due to close. I mean, as you say, these places have been where communities have got together for years. What have your regulars said to you? They must be very disappointed that it's closing. Well, they're all disappointed. And I think they also realise that uh, the business is not there. I mean, the campaign for Real Ale, the Real Ale campaigning group has said for years and years, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I think that's coming to fruition now. And a lot of other pubs will close in the new year. They were waiting for the Christmas boost to happen. So that hopefully that would take them through the worst months of the year, January and February. That boost hasn't occurred. Those you know, people have not gone to the pub as they have in the past. Last year showed us signs of this. This year it's confirmed it. And so I think more will follow and that's even more tragic. The building is closing for improvement work and it's not known if it will reopen. Elsewhere it's claimed more than 400 asylum seekers were illegally detained because of overcrowding at a processing centre in Manston. Emails from the Home Office reportedly show concerns were raised following a surge in small boat crossings in October. Meanwhile, a protest has been held in support of refugees who are apparently being moved to a former military base in Folkestone. Seven people living in a hotel in London have been sent letters by the Home Office and it's understood they could spend up to three months at Napier Barracks as they wait for their case to be processed. While the government insists they're working as quickly as possible to move people to safe accommodation. Kent Online reports. Now, the Kent Online podcast been told children are risking their lives to get to school because of a dangerous road in Canterbury. 
Young people have been seen climbing over a fence on a busy dual carriageway to get from Reamsway to Toddler's Cove. Campaigners want to create a new path linking the Windcheap and London Road estates to make sure people stay safe. Now, the MP for Dartford has described an expansion of London's ultra-low emission zone to the border of Kent as the most unfair, undemocratic form of taxation this country has ever seen. From next August, motorists using older vehicles will have to pay a charge of £12.50 to drive into all 33 of the capital's boroughs. It's part of efforts to cut air pollution. But during a debate in Westminster Hall, Gareth Johnson said it would be financially damaging for residents and the economy and accused Mayor Sadiq Khan of just trying to make money. Currently, the border with London is fairly frictionless. Thousands of times a day, people drive across the border, often without even knowing it. This is good for London and good for Kent and other counties bordering London. Yet now, Sadiq Khan is building a financial wall between London and the rest of the country. If you are a small business, particularly in outer London, and rely on customers travelling to you, then this form of taxation will crucify your business. Those that have to pay his seven days a week charge to enter London can't and don't vote for the Mayor of London. We are not Londoners in Kent. It is quite literally taxation without representation or accountability. The two areas hardest hit by this expansion are the counties bordering London, who can't vote for the Mayor, and outer London, which the current mayor doesn't care about, as that's not where the bulk of his votes come from. He says that he will bring in a scrappage scheme for the poorest people so they can change their car. Well, not for those living in Dartford and anywhere outside of London, he is not. So the poorest will be hit the hardest, unable to change their car and unable to enter London to go to work or to shop or to pick up the kids from school. And how, we asked, will key key workers get to London to support the health service there? The police or other emergency workers? Many of these key workers own cars that will be charged if they enter London, yet currently they keep the vital services in London going. So what justification does the Mayor give for his decision? He says it's to reduce pollution. Yet, if he really wanted to reduce pollution in London, he would ban these vehicles. But he doesn't want to ban them. He wants to make money out of them. The expansion of the ULES scheme has nothing to do with pollution. We know the worst pollution in London is in central London, not in outer London. This expansion could not take place, of course, if it wasn't for the Mayor of London changing his transport strategy. So he has changed it. He has changed it with the votes of the Labour and Liberal Democrat Assembly members, with only the Conservatives opposing. He held a consultation, as we've spoken about, on the ULES expansion, and over 60% of respondents opposed the idea. So what did he do? He just ignored them. He just ignored them. What was the point of that consultation exercise? Mr Hosey, the ULES expansion will have a significant impact on the poorest in society. It will price out people going to work, go shopping, or otherwise go about their daily lives. It will place a financial wall around London and take away people's freedom of movement. It is aimed at those who can't vote him out of office and those who don't vote for him. 
It is the most debilitating, unfair, undemocratic form of taxation this country has ever seen. And it is a window on the soul of the Mayor of London. But looking at the comments section in the story at Kent Online, it seems most of you aren't too pleased about the charge either. And these comments raise similar concerns to Gareth Johnson. One reads, if the ULEZ was about pollution, then the charge would be according to how much pollution a car makes. Well, another person's written that this is just another unfair money-making scam and should be stopped in its tracks. Some interesting thoughts, but what about the Mayor himself? Well, his spokesperson has given us a statement. Lucy has been reading it. The Mayor has been clear that it was not an easy decision to expand the ULES London-wide, but a necessary one to reduce the capital's toxic air pollution, tackle the climate emergency and cut congestion in our city. Around 4,000 Londoners die prematurely each year due to the toxic air in our city, with the greatest number of deaths attributable to air pollution in London's outer boroughs, which the ULES doesn't currently cover. Children across London are growing up with stunted lungs, while adults have great greater risk of heart disease, dementia and other serious illnesses. Expanding the ULES London-wide will strike the best balance between maximising the health and environmental benefits for Londoners while minimising the cost to drivers. Developers are making a third bid to build new housing on a former car park in Tunbridge. The council knocked back two previous applications in 2018 and 2020. The new plans for the town centre site would see 118 flats in blocks of staggered height from seven to nine storeys high. On our website, we've got CCTV footage of a man stealing a Christmas present left out for bin men near Winstable. The gift contained a box of biscuits, a case of beer and a Christmas card with £20 inside. It was taken from Chestfield Road last week. And from the Grinch, we go to a secret Santa who's been caught on camera delivering chocolates to random houses near Gravesend to spread some festive cheer. The footage shows him rummaging through a bag of gifts on the ground before leaving a box of chocolates and a card outside a home in Riverview. It's believed the man has been doing this for a few years in the area and picks random houses each time. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham have been knocked out of the Carabao Cup after losing 2-0 to Premier League side Wolves in the fourth round. There was a late penalty and a goal in added time during last night's game in the West Midlands. Jules manager Neil Harris spoke to us after the match. Proud of my players, proud of the group. Um, Tough 48 hours for us, um, as you can tell by my voice. We've got a, a problem in the camp with flu and whatever else. Hence why we need four subs tonight, and the goalkeeper that played last night. Um, and a couple of those boys always had to make subs. Not ideal to take three midfield players off at the same time, but we had to protect players. Um, so, I'm really proud of the group. Um, we dug in the game when exactly how we expected to. We got into a back five, we got put into a back six at times. Um, they had the ball. We forced it. We forced it around us with our shape, discipline, shape, um, and they found it difficult to break us down. And to lose the first goal like we did, you know, is frustrating and annoying. Um, I think it's a very tight call either way. Um, but on, on, on the, the balance of play, you can't deny that Wolves probably deserve to win the game. As you know, conceding goals hasn't been a problem for us this year. So the other end's been the problem. And tonight we didn't always carry a threat going forward, um, but we had moments, and, and when we did. Three corners, various free kicks. I, I didn't think we was good enough tonight in the final third when we got, we got those opportunities. I think even in defeat, you know, we have to realise that we have got the makings of a good team. Um, you know, it just just goes back. With, you know, we need to be more clinical in the final third. Um, I think Wolves will use the same method that they they played well tonight and moved the ball well and had some really really good play at times. And they use that momentum. We have to do the same. 
we, we've shown time and time again in the league we can compete with everybody in the league. Just scored enough. Um, so we've got we've got a massive week in front of us on Boxing Day um, before we, we we start the transfer window. We need the fans to back us. We have to give them something to cheer about. Um, you know, we, we, we need that that, that back in Boxing Day. We need we need our next three games. We need that support. Um, that sort of unconditional support the fans give their football clubs. Um, you know, tough moments. We need them to support us, and um, you know, we're still finding a way for us to be better and better. So, um, never take it for granted, but much appreciated. It's so important for us to to maintain our league status by being better. We earned the right to be here tonight because we we beat Brentford on penalties, and we won two other games. So, we earned the right to be here and enjoy it. But. My focus has to be a massive week starting Boxing Day. Well, as you just heard, their next match is on Boxing Day against Colchester United at Priestfield in League Two. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also sign up to the briefing to get a daily update of the top stories each morning. Just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.